Welcome to NEP on Location. Here we hit the road and have conversations with some of the brightest minds from the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more. In this episode, Jim Oleski is on location at NEP's We Need to Talk Mental and Behavioral Health Conference in Las Vegas and has a conversation with Patrick Dugan from the College Station Professional Firefighters Association in College Station, Texas. Patrick discusses some of the steps his union and fire department have taken to get a mental health support program off the ground. He also talks about how constant department turnover and staffing shortages contribute to their members' mental health challenges. Hi, this is Jim Oleski from NEP Media on Location in Las Vegas at NEP Services We Need to Talk Behavioral Health Conference. Joining me today is Patrick Dugan from College Station Firefighters Association in College Station, Texas. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, taking some time and sitting with us today. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Tell us a little bit about uh, College Station. Tell us a little bit about your, your department and your, uh, your, your union and, um, and, and what ended up bringing you out here uh, to Vegas for this conference. All right. So, uh, again, like you said, my name is Patrick Dugan from College Station uh, Professional Firefighters. Uh, we are in College Station, Texas, which is the home of Texas A&M, for people that don't know where it is. We're kind of a halfway point uh, to an extent between Houston and Austin. Um, we're about equal distance from each. Uh, <clears throat> our city has around uh, just under 130,000 people. Uh, it's been growing exponentially the last several several years. Um, and course the department and firefighters are trying to grow with it and keep up with the growth um our actual uh union started around 2006 so we're i guess kind of newer in the sense of, of some of the the locals that are around and and as you're as, you know we're here at a at a behavioral oh, health yeah. conference as your union has evolved as your department has grown as your city continues to grow um what are some of the needs you have found um, from a, a behavioral health point of view um, that, that your members, you know, have, have had or maybe expressed interest in? And, and how have you guys started a process uh, to kind of manage and support that? Yeah, so um, I guess over the years we, we had some uh, mental health, you know, resources and things that we had worked, worked over and they had kind of dwindled off. And then um, I think just with the change of uh, the people coming in, you know, different generations people have become a little bit more open to talking about it and uh, but we've also seen uh recently we've in the last couple of years we've had a couple instances where we had uh, issues arise that stemmed from lack of uh, addressing mental health uh and so we have been pushing um as an association and, and our firefighters really hard to try to address that that mental health so we do have a uh peer support team that started recently um, through training with a clinician that, that uh, our city partners with. Um, so we have a team that's available. Uh, we're trying to grow the team, and then one of the reasons for the coming to the conference is more like, you know, continuing education. So, like, you know, a lot of us are paramedics or EMTs. We do continuing education for how to treat patients, but uh, at the same time, we can't just get one one-and-done training for mental health and not expand on it or, or look more into it and find better ways to help help the guys that we need to, find ways to get them to talk, find ways to get them to get the help they need, and then ultimately try to find ways to prevent it from getting to that point. So, like, the resiliency and things like that, try to improve that. And and is is the push for this, is it coming from the fire department? Is it coming from the city? Is it coming from your union? Is it coming from the bottom of your members? And, and how is that 
how is that all coming together? So I think a lot of it has come from just the members in general and the firefighters in general. Um, it has been supported, you know, financially with the city uh, getting us on board with the clinician and getting us trained, uh, and the association has supported it um, and things like um, covering our, our travel costs and things like that for for this conference um, and registration, all that stuff is coming from the from the local, um, and so it's kind of a, a dual effort on that on that aspect of uh, you know financial support and people support. Uh, our members are the ones doing it, but they're also doing it, you know, through on duty and things like that. So, and, and have you seen a sort of cultural change as to where, you know, maybe some of the stuff was a, a kind of dirty word, you know, back yeah. in the day and whereas now it's sort of becoming more normalized. Yeah, uh, so are you finding that? I've kind of been involved with it since before we had peer support when we did things like a debrief and stuff. And we had kind of had a lack of people continuing to get training that. So our teams were kind of dwindling down and and stuff like that, but um, just in the recent years, I've seen stuff like uh, a firefighter that had been, you know, in the service for years and always, you know, didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to deal with it, and um, I had the opportunity to hear him talk about something that um, one of the things that we did in some of our decreases tell them, like, you don't necessarily have to talk about it, you can start by just writing about it, and he had that experience where he wrote about it and said it was, you know, something really good for him that he had never tried. I had another recent experience with someone that told me that, um, you know, they've been going for a couple months to our clinician's uh, office and meeting with a counselor, and I had no idea that, you know, that was something that they were doing or pursuing. And so little things like that, I think, and, and these are both people that have been in the service for quite a while, are, are, I think, showing that people are considering it and looking at it. Talk a little bit about your, your peer support team and talk about a little bit if one of your members has a problem what are what are the resources available? And you don't have to go into you know deep in specifics, but just so another fire department or another local who maybe was just starting out, what what are some some ways you guys have found from a structural point of view that that seem to work that maybe somebody else could emulate? Yeah, so we're still pretty new as far as like how we run it and you know any type of responses or how we're going to do it. Uh, we only have a handful of guys that are you know trained up. We've done the one initial training. Uh, we've been doing it for a little less than a year. Um, it kind of stemmed out of some of our guys that had done other stuff in the past, like the critical incident stress and our chaplains program that we had uh, started. Um, and so we kind of merged together. One of our guys that was the head of the chaplains committee is kind of the one that spearheaded it and uh, and got it started moving towards peer support. And so we have a handful of guys um, that are peer support members. We try to uh, we use like a group chat, and our clinicians actually on it. So anytime there's a major incident we hear about, whether it's from a firefighter or someone's on shift that day and they hear like, hey, they went to this bad call. Um, we try, we do in the group chat, like, hey, who's available? Can someone go by and check on these guys? Also, you know, we're trying to slowly educate all the officers, company officers, like, hey, you need to let us know, you know, if there's a bad call. Even if you think everyone's fine, it's not going to hurt if you just, you know, say, hey, can a peer support guy come by and check on all of us? Things like that. And so we've So you're, you're to, taking a very, it sounds like, proactive... We're trying. Yeah, you're not, you're not just so putting we, a flyer up on the bulletin board and, and saying, hey, call this number. You, yeah. you guys are actually going out. And, and we've tried to make it as user-friendly as possible. So we, we already have NEP as our uh, website provider with the, the app. And so if they get on the app, we, our peer support guys are linked on there. So they can, if they forgot the number, they don't have a save on the phone, they can go through and see who's on there, scroll through and pick which guy, and they can call them like direct, you know, from the app, which I think 
the easier you make it for them to get to, sure. the, the, the more likely they are to use it. So we've tried to do stuff like that. What are some things, what are other ways you, you make it known to your members of what resources are available? Or is it something you're constantly you know, uh, putting in front of them? Not necessarily. Uh, one thing that we've changed, uh, well, I say we changed as far as I know it's newer. Um, the, one of the guys that has spearheaded the, you know, the thing, uh, whenever they have a new hire orientation, they have a, a, they've allowed him to set up a time where he comes and talks about um, both the chaplain service and the, and the peer support uh, service. You know, the purpose behind it talks about a little bit about resiliency, like when the guys are coming into it, because we have a lot of young guys that come in, this might be their first job. Um, or if they work somewhere else, maybe they didn't have it, you know. So they've tried to kind of start front-loading it on the people coming in, and then we're trying, you know, always trying to, you know, educate the people that are already there that, that this is available. Uh, you use the word resiliency, which is uh, sort of a hot topic, you know, word these days. What are some things in those early conversations that you're talking to these new members about um, that they can do to to build and maintain resiliency? Yeah, so one of the main things that we talk about, and again, I'm not an expert on resiliency, that's why we're trying to do continuing education. It's not something we're super educated on, but mainly just being willing to talk about, you know, what what issues you have if you have an issue with something, like not, not uh, letting it build inside and not talk about it. So we talk a lot about uh, cumulative stress and the way things, uh, one of our clinicians that worked with us before had always used the analogy of like things pancake on top of each other and it builds and it'll just keep building it might be something way back here that you've just pushed down and all the other little stuff building on top of it is what's going to break it and so you have to be able to talk about all those things and kind of peel back the layers I guess um, and so we try to like get them to uh, look for signs and symptoms of themselves and and their peers when they come in. Like, hey, these are some things we see with uh, people that are that have you know uh, having issues dealing with a uh, you know traumatic event or a stressful event, the changes in behavior, changes in um, you know emotional status. And it's like you kind of get to learn your guys what is their normal. When you see something out of the normal, that's something you need to be aware of. Uh, we try to tell them like, let your family members know like this is something that happens and it's not it's not a abnormal. Um, to see, you know, people in our industry have these reactions and, like, let your family know, like, the signs and symptoms to look for of a change in behavior or a change in, you know, an emotional state so they can maybe be the ones to say, hey, you're not, you know, you're not acting like yourself. Like, is there something going on? So they can maybe initiate the conversation if you tell them ahead of time what to look for. And you, you mentioned that you're, you're in a rapidly growing city. Uh, I know off uh, off mic you, you had said you guys were having uh, a lot of retention kind of issues and, and, and yeah. a lot of new members coming in. Are, are you finding a lot of those new members, um, you know, are they are they responding well to that or, or are they embracing this part of the job? This was certainly something that years ago you would have been told to, you know, suck it up, you know, and, and deal. It's, it's part yeah. of the job. Um, with all this turnover, with all these new younger members coming in, do they just do they seem to just be like, okay, this is this is yeah, normal? It, it almost seems like generationally, the younger group is um, more accepting to the the fact that it's something. And I don't know if that's a you know nationwide generational thing or just in the service, but it seems like they're more willing to talk about it, or more willing to recognize that it's something we need to address than maybe like you know the older guys who grew up thinking just suck it up is is the way you're supposed to be. And, 
No, well, and it sounds like then you guys have, have responded well to, you know, you've, that opportunity of, hey, we have all these new members that are, are constantly coming in the door. Um, let's make sure, you know, that they know from minute one what, what resources are available and how do, yep. you, how do you keep yourself um, from maybe even needing those resources. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a, you know, it sounds like a, a really smart way of, of, of managing your members. Um, is there anything else? So, I mean, you, you, I know we talked about like the, some of the challenges of being in a rapidly growing area, um, switching hats a little bit to a, a labor perspective. Um, anything, any insight on any of those things for folks who are also in rapidly growing areas? Um, and how do you tackle some of the, the, the labor issues that are related to that? Yeah, so we are obviously growing. We're, you know, the city's uh, got bonds to build another station. We're adding another ambulance. And just with the regular turnover, the way we've seen it, there's a, you know, shortage statewide and nationwide of people going into the industry. And uh, to be competitive, we have to address, you know, people want to feel supported and they want to feel like they're valued. And one of the aspects of that is obviously going to be paying compensation. So that's something we're always pushing for um and it's always a struggle i know it is for us um to get that to a level where we're competitive so that we're not just having guys come in get trained and then go somewhere else that that, you know pays them more or something like that so and you think that causes stress to your existing members i mean is that contributing to your 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 mental and behavioral health (laughs) i think it definitely has a like we talked about this morning here at the conference you know they had uh the uh the big T and little T stressors, you know, the big T being the traumas and the little T is everything else in your life, your family life, your financial life, things like that. And, and having those additional stresses of, you know, constantly having to deal with turnover or, you know, having to struggle to figure out like what, what does my family need to be able to keep up with inflation, things like that. Um, the pay part is definitely going to, going to add to the mental health, uh, I guess, aspect of it, because it's a definitely, you know, finance, finances are always going to be a stressor in most people's lives that are, you know, working, working a job, trying to provide for the family and things like that. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, it sounds like you guys are, uh, are well positioned at least to, to meet some of those challenges. And, it, it, you know, it's great that your members are here uh, at this conference and sounds like, you know, doing a lot of proactive steps, um, you know, to at least help your members cope. And uh, hopefully you'll have then some political access, you know, as well um, to maybe help reduce some of those stressors by, you know, getting more, more personnel on the street. Uh, so, uh, Patrick Dugan, College Station uh, Firefighter Association, thank you for your time. Uh, again, this is Jim Oleski from NEP Media on location in Las Vegas at NEP Services. We need to talk behavioral health conference. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to NEP on location and Jim Oleski's conversation with Patrick Dugan. Remember to subscribe to NEP on location wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com. And for the latest ideas and information from around the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more, please visit our website at nepmedia.net.